السلام عليك زين الأنبياء السلام على بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وأفضل الصلاة وأتم التسليم على سيدنا محمد خاتم الأنبياء وإمام المرسلين وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين وأصحابه الأكرمين ومن تبعهم بإحسان وهدى إلى يوم الدين وعلينا معهم فيهم برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد والأصحاب صلاة وسلاما ترفع بهما بيني وبينه الحجاب وتدخلني بهما عليه من أوسع باب وتسقني بهما بيده الشريفة أعذب الكؤوس من أحلى شراب اللهم نوينا التعلم والتعليم والتذكر والتذكير والنفع والانتفاع والإفادة والاستفادة والحث على التمسك بكتاب الله وسنة رسوله والدعاء إلى الهدى والدلالة على الخير ابتغاء وجه الله ومرضاته وقربه وثوابه سبحانه وتعالى رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي السلام عليكم ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته So in this uh, second to last session we're going to look at the etiquette of students of knowledge, of seekers of knowledge. So Imam al-Ghazali, after giving us this beautiful framework of ilm tariq al-akhirah, this knowledge that benefits you in the hereafter and that takes you on the path to the hereafter and nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, informing us of the merits of knowledge and learning and teaching, identifying for us uh, beneficial and blameworthy knowledge, restoring the proper meanings of these noble terms related to knowledge, uh, teaching us to be very wary of allowing one's pursuit of knowledge to take them into debate and argumentation and the dangers and the pitfalls of that. Now he is giving us an insight when you are ready to seek knowledge, how do you do so in a way that allows you to attain true fiqh, that allows you to attain true understanding, real knowledge, that you taste the realities of tawheed, and so on and so forth. And he relates it back to adab. He relates it back to having adab. So he, uh, he says, أما المتعلم فآدابه ووظائفه الظاهرة كثيرة ولكن تنظم تفاريعها عشر, عشر جمل الوظيفة الأولى تقديم طهارة النفس عن رذائل الأخلاق ومذموم الأوصاف So the first of the etiquettes that Imam al-Ghazali mentions of the seeker of knowledge, the student of knowledge is that he prioritizes the purification of the nafs. That this knowledge is all beneficial in the purification of the nafs. قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the one who purifies himself is successful. Okay? And that a person works against purifying themselves of blameworthy 
traits and care and, and qualities. Because knowledge is the worship of the heart. Knowledge is the ibadah of the heart. And it is the salah that takes place in a person's inner secret, inwardly. So the way that you get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala internally is by way of knowledge. This is beautiful. It really gives us an insight into understanding the inner dimensions and the inner workings of how knowledge is supposed to impact us. And then Imam al-Ghazali says, وَكَمَ لَا تَصِحُ الصَّلَاةُ الَّتِي هِيَ وَظِيفَةُ الْجَوَارِحِ الظَّاهِرَةِ إِلَّا بِتَطْهِيرَ الظَّاهِرِ عَنِ الْأَحْدَاثِ وَالْأَخْبَاثِ فَكَذَلِكَ لَا تَصِحُ عِبَادَةُ الْبَاطِنِ وَعِمَارَةُ الْقَلْبِ بِالْعِلْمِ إِلَّا بَعْدَ طَهَارَتِهِ عَنْ خَبَائِثِ الْأَخْلَاقِ وَأَنْجَاسِ الْأَوْصَافِ So Imam al-Ghazali says, just how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordained it for us, that a person cannot engage in the physical prayer, which is an action of the body and the limbs and so forth, until they've purified themselves of unclean things, whether it's being in a state of ritual purity or removing things that are impure from one's clothing and the place of prayer and so forth, just as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has only allowed us to enter into the, the prayer that takes place physically as well as spiritually until one is uh, pure and clean, that knowledge will not enter your heart as it should until the heart is purified and cleaned. And this is extremely important because you, cannot, you can never uh, uh, underemphasize or underestimate the importance of adab. Adab, which we often translate as etiquette or good manners, it's very deep. The, the, those English terms, they capture some of it, but it's even deeper than that. It's this understanding that everything has a key. And everything has a way of doing it with excellence. It's not always about the thing in and of itself. It's about the ihsan that you put into doing that thing. I'll give you an example. As Sayyidah Aisha, when she would give charity, she might put it in a pouch, something to that effect, and she would put perfume on the pouch. And they would say, why, why do you do that? She said, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves ihsan in things. And imagine someone receiving in need, receiving that pouch, and it smells beautiful, it increases them in a feeling of comfort and appreciation and dignity and so forth. So she wants to just even put that touch of ihsan on something that a person would just say, here you go, and that's it, and the good deed is done. If it's about just checking it off a list, the good deed is done. But she would go the extra mile and beautify it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right, so that is part of adab, is that when we do things, we do them in a way that is indicative of having reverence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in that, doors open. And uh, one of the ulama, I heard him say that, ibadah, ibadah, and uh, worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and fulfilling the obligations will allow you to attain paradise. He said, but adab allows you to attain nearness to Allah. Through adab, 
you arrive at nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it's, it's in addition, it's not uh, uh, something separate than these acts of ibadah or these fara'id. It's the, the, the level of ihsan and the beautification of those things. So these adab, these etiquettes that Imam al-Ghazali is uh, telling us of, they really help us access that true knowledge, true ilm, which is something that opens the heart and increases the heart in light. So he says, just as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows us that there are uh, certain rulings related to prayer, and knowledge is an act of worship that impacts the heart, the heart needs to be pure. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sahbihi wa sallam, he said, Buni yaddinu ala nadhaf, and there's other riwayat. And other narrations indicating that uh, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala established this deen upon purification. And it's not limited to outward cleanliness. Also is an indication of inward cleanliness. Right, so that's the first of the adab. And Imam al-Ghazali uh, uh, continues to explain it. وَالنَّجَاسَةُ Unclean things are things that a person has to avoid and uh, distance oneself from. And actually uh, avoiding the vile and impure traits that are inward are even more deserving of avoiding. A person should distance oneself even more so from those kinds of things. When someone sees something unclean outwardly, it's repulsing. It's repulsive. Ah, what is that? But Imam al-Ghazali is saying the inward, it should be even more repulsive. And a person should distance themselves from it even more. Because in addition to being vile in the moment, it's destructive in the akhirah. It is, is destroys a person in the akhirah. That's why the Prophet said that the angels do not enter a home in which there is a dog. And the heart, so that, that Imam al-Ghazali, he affirms that outward meaning. And he relates it to an inward adab. He says the heart is a home that the angels visit and they ascend to and that they rest in. And they come with ilham for the believers, with inspiration for the believers. And uh, blameworthy qualities like anger and low desires and enmity and envy and arrogance and vanity and so forth, they are like barking dogs in your heart. So how are the angels going to enter your heart and it's filled with dogs? And the light of knowledge, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only casts the light of knowledge into the hearts by way of the angels. So Imam al-Ghazali is saying, just as salah requires purification, knowledge requires purification for the light to enter the heart and for knowledge to be transformative. 
Wikipedia and Google has more knowledge than you and I will ever have. If it, knowledge is quote-unquote information. That's not what Imam al-Ghazali is talking about. Nur al-ilm, the light of knowledge that then cracks open your heart to deeper meanings and nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَمَا كَانَ لِبَشَرٍ أَنْ يُكَلِّمَهُ اللَّهُ إِلَّا وَحْيًا أَوْ مِنْ وَرَاءِ حِجَابٍ أَوْ يُرْسِلَ رَسُولًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only speaks to a human being by way of revelation or from behind a veil or he sends a messenger to them. وَهَكَذَا مَا يُرْسِلُ مِنْ رَحْمَةِ الْعُلُومِ إِلَى الْقُلُوبِ إِنَّمَا تَتَوَلَّاهَ الْمَلَائِكَةُ الْمُوَكَّلُونَ بِهَا So when Allah sends the mercy of knowledge to the hearts, He sends it by way of the angels that are messengers to those hearts. وَهُمُ الْمُقَدَّسُونَ الْمُطَهَّرُونَ الْمُبَرَّؤُونَ عَنِ الْمَذْمُومَاتِ And angels are holy and pure and free of all uh, uh, blameworthy th uh, uh, things. فَلَا يُلَاحِظُونَ إِلَّا طَيِّبًا So they only come to those who are pure and good. وَلَا يَعْمُرُونَ بِمَا عِنْدَهُمْ مِنْ خَزَائِنِ رَحْمَةِ اللَّهِ إِلَّا طَيِّبًا طَاهِرًا And they only cultivate the hearts of those people who are good and pure. Imam al-Ghazali says, وَعَلَمْ أَنَّ الْقَلْبَ الْمَشْحُونَ بِالْغَضَبِ وَالشَّرِهِ إِلَى الدُّنْيَا وَالتَّكَالُبِ عَلَيْهَا وَالْحِرْصِ عَلَى التَّمْزِيقِ لِأَعْرَاضِ النَّاسِ كَلْبٌ فِي الْمَعْنَى And know that a heart that is full of anger and desire for the dunya and being uh, uh, obsessed with it and seeking to speak about other people's dignity and backbite them and so forth is kalbun fil ma'na wa qalbun fil sura in in its meaning it is a dog and in its form it looks like a heart and it's, he's still speaking about the spiritual heart fanurul basirati yulahidu al ma'ani dun al suwar and the light of inner sight of basira sees meanings and not forms sees the meanings of things and is not limited to the forms. And the world, the dunya that we're in, is people are more aware of the appearance of things more so than their meanings. And meanings are hidden, they're inward in this world. And in the akhirah, the, the images are uh, secondary to the meanings, the opposite. In the akhirah, the appearances of things are secondary and the meanings are more apparent. And that's why people, when they're resurrected in the akhirah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala beautify our states with Him. When people are resurrected in the akhirah, they're resurrected according to the way that they look inwardly and that's why the people of Allah they say beautify your inward face people spend a lot of time understandably so wanting to look presentable and thinking about how I look if one little blemish one little piece of food is stuck in between your teeth it's like I can't believe it what about your inward what when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gazes upon our hearts what does he see Jalla Jalalu. So people are resurrected and they look like they're inward. On Yom Al-Qiyamah, they look like they're inward. Okay, So there are some people who will uh, look like uh, vicious dogs, wild dogs. And there will be people 
who will uh, look like wolves. And there will be people who look like, because of their arrogance, they look like predatory beasts, like a tiger. And a person who seeks leadership will look like a lion. Not in a good way. That these are things a human being, these uh, inward realities start to manifest. Now, and there are uh, uh, narrations that indicate that. So then someone might ask, how many seekers of knowledge who have blameworthy character traits have acquired much knowledge? How can you say that knowledge is only acquired when the heart is pure? There are many people whose character is very bad, but they've acquired a lot of knowledge. Imam al-Ghazali says, so how far are you from understanding real knowledge that benefits in the akhirah and that brings a person felicity? Because the beginnings of that knowledge, the beginnings of that knowledge indicate to the person that sins are poisonous uh, things that will kill you. They will destroy you. So that person, that's the beginning levels of knowledge. Have you ever seen someone who has complete awareness that food that they're eating is poisonous and will kill them? And, and you would say, no, he's knowledgeable of that. And he eats it? You would say, that person is crazy. Something's wrong with them. If they know that that's poisonous, yet they still eat it. May Allah forgive us and have mercy on us. So this is what Imam al-Ghazali is saying. Well, that's, that's why they said, Knowledge is fear of Allah, having reverential fear. And as Allah says, That Allah is feared by his servants. Uh, Allah is feared by the scholars among his servants. So their knowledge is related to this fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's the first of the adab, is purification of the nafs. The second of the etiquettes of the seeker of knowledge is أن يقلل علائقه من أشغال الدنيا ويبعد عن الأهل والوطن is that this is for someone who is able to dedicate extensive amounts of time to seeking knowledge. He says the first is minimize, the second, sorry, is minimizing distractions and uh, cutting off too many relationships. Whenever you have relationships, you have responsibilities. So cutting off, not cutting off relationships that you need to keep, but not over uh, extending oneself and having distractions. And actually, even if one is able to, traveling to a distant place away from family and away from home why so that the focus can be complete even if it's for a period of time which is why a lot of people in, in in our society go away for college right and that's really not that beneficial frankly uh but this is so a person is able to really focus on themselves and focus on knowledge and then another beautiful benefit of that is when a person is away from the, their routines and their environment uh, and the things that have created their habits, it's easier to form new habits and new routines. 
And the shaitan comes to a person and says, oh, no, no, but when you go back home, everyone's going to say you're just like the, the way you always were. No, you can change. Now, and if a person is not able to do that, and a person says, I can't, you know, I have responsibilities, I'm a parent, I have work, I have these other things, then what you can understand from this is consistency. The etiquette here for the most of us is consistency, for the vast majority of us, is one day a week, whenever there is this specific class, nothing else in the world exists. One day a week, for an hour or two hours, when I have this class, nothing else exists. I'm going to work on my life and fulfill all of my responsibilities and make sure everything is good so that when this one class or whatever, you know, 10 minutes a day or one hour a week or whatever it may be, nothing else in the world matters. I don't care if it's the Super Bowl or the elections or whatever it may be. This is the most important thing. Nothing's going to get in the way. Right? And then if you have to get babysitting, if you have to schedule things around something, you know, and as Sheikh Yahya constantly reminds us that one of the pieces of advice that he got from one of his shiuch in Mauritania, he said, do not have excuse, don't not make other things excuses that take you away from knowledge. Make knowledge your excuse that takes you away from other things. And if we can't always do that, then we should at least have one thing that is non-negotiable in our week, whether it's online or in person or whatever it may be. But that time is sacred. This is my time to learn and to really deepen my knowledge that brings me closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, minimizing distractions. The third of the adab is is to be humble, not to be arrogant, not to treat knowledge with arrogance and not to be arrogant towards one's teacher. Is that actually the student gives over uh, you know, his reins, literally the reins to his teacher in what he is learning. And that he uh, listens to him and listens to his counsels the way that a, an ignorant sick person listens to a compassionate doctor who's an expert. Yes, what do I need? This is what I need to do. I need to read Quran every day. I need to pray in jama'ah. I need to do these things. Okay. And to look at your uh, classes or your awrad, just like you would look at medical treatment. Okay. You know, I need to take this vitamin. I need to take this twice a day, once after a meal. I need to avoid these kinds of foods. I need to, you look at it that same way and you'll benefit. And he should be humble to his teacher and seek a reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and honor by serving his teacher. And this is the relationship between two of the Sahaba, Sayyidina Zayd ibn Thabit and Sayyidina Abdullah ibn al-Abbas radiallahu anhuma. So after the janazah, Sayyidina Abdullah ibn al-Abbas came to him and Sayyidina Zayd ibn Thabit was riding on his steed. So Sayyidina Abdullah ibn al-Abbas uh, took the reins and he started kind of leading and serving his sheikh, who was older than him. They're both sahaba. Okay? 
Look at the adab between the sahaba. He said, let go, do not trouble yourself, O cousin of the Messenger of Allah. Look how he honored him. No, no, no. Do not do that. Ibn Abbas, Ibn Abbas said, This is how we've been taught to treat scholars and elders. So this is Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Abbas serving Sayyidina Zayd ibn Thabit. What does Sayyidina Zayd ibn Thabit, who's older, who's his teacher, he then takes the hand of Sayyidina Abdullah ibn al-Abbas and he kisses it. And he said, هَكَذَا أُمِرْنَا أَن نَفْعَلَ بِأَهْلِ بَيْتِ نَبِيِّنَا مُحَمَّدٍ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمُ And this is how we've been taught to treat the family of the Prophet ﷺ. Oh, kissing hands is bid'ah and so forth. The Sahaba did it. This is the adab between them with each other. The young respects the old. The old treats the young with, with love and, and appreciation and takes them by the hand. And this is the mutual respect that they had. But here Imam al-Ghazali is talking about that respect and uh, uh, treating your teachers well. Yeah. Imam al-Ghazali goes on and he says, because wisdom, true wisdom, is the lost property of the believer. He takes it wherever he finds it. And he appreciates and is always grateful to the one who brings it to him, whoever that may be. Whoever that may be. And this also shows us the importance of humility when seeking knowledge. Humility when seeking knowledge. And they say, That knowledge does not reach the arrogant student. Just as when there is a flood or an overflow of water, it doesn't reach high places. It reaches the valleys, right? It reaches the, the areas that are humble, that are able to receive. If you come and your cup is already full, that's it, I know everything. I know better, so forth, that's fine. You're not gonna really benefit. It's like one of the famous kind of uh, artists, you know, in, in a worldly sense, he once, he was a, you know, painted a painting and he already at this point had many people who appreciated his work. So he looked at the painting and he said, I can see no flaw in it. <gasps> Everyone said, oh, it's perfect. You've reached perfection. He said, no, no, no. There is a flaw in it. I just can't see it. Which means I have no more room to grow. I can't get better. There is a flaw in it, but I'm not able to now detect it. So look at his own awareness of his own craft and skill. Now I've hit my ceiling. But if he was, if there was someone greater than him who would, who would be able to show him that, he would then have room to improve and, and further grow. Naam. A person does not attain knowledge except through humility and listening. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, this is a reminder for those who have hearts or who listen and bear witness. 
ومعنى كونه ذا قلب أن يكون قابلا للعلم فهما And what does it mean that he's a possessor of a heart? Is that he's someone who is able to receive knowledge and understand it. Is able to receive knowledge and understand it. And that they listen with a heart that is present and so forth. That's the type of person who uh, will benefit. And it's important when it comes to this is that people also are discerning in the degrees of expertise that people have to offer. Now the story that we mention is between two Sahaba uh, Ajilla, two prominent, eminent exemplars among the Sahaba They know, the people of virtue know how to treat the people of virtue. It also is important that when a person is on the path to seeking knowledge or benefiting from scholars, that they do have a degree of discernment. There are some people who are advanced students of knowledge who compared to where we are in the world today, they might uh, come off as people of great knowledge in comparison. But around scholars, they're students. On the spiritual path, they're still at a beginner level, maybe, maybe intermediate, maybe, in some cases, but compared to the people of Allah, they're not there. So it's not to look down on people, it's to be discerning. We're all works in progress. And then when you see the scholar's scholar, then you can have this degree of all these ulama have such respect and appreciation for this kind of person. They must really know what they're doing. If you're going to have someone who's going to perform open heart surgery or a neurosurgeon, you're not going to get someone who just came out of medical school. You want the person who taught the great ones. That's what, if you had a choice, that's what you would choose. Right? So you have to be discerning. And there are degrees of knowledge that uh, uh, there are people that you can benefit from in a multitude of ways. This person is very good in Qur'an. I want to learn Qur'an from them. They might not know very much about aqidah or fiqh or hadith. I benefit from them and what they have to offer. And I appreciate that from them. This person might be a great faqih. If I have questions related to uh, the rulings of the sacred law, I'm going to go to this person. This person is a person of dhawq. This person is a person of, of spiritual realization. I will go to them for nasiha. I will benefit from what they have. Will I turn everything over to them? That's a higher level of criteria and discernment. So it doesn't mean that you're not discerning, but you, you use your wisdom. But when you find someone who benefits you, and it, there might be something that you know benefits you, but it goes against your nafs. You prefer what they teach you over your nafs. See what I'm saying? So people, sometimes they get confused. They find someone who's charismatic and they just, this person must have all the answers. They might have some of the answers. They might be very charismatic. Use your discernment. Who's their teacher? Where did they study from? Who is the most qualified? And so forth. So you have to distinguish. You have to be discerning and you still have to respect people. And Imam al-Ghazali, when he says that you don't ask too many questions and so forth, as he says is one of the adab, he's saying it in regards to understanding that a qualified teacher 
will know what you're able to understand right now and what you might need time to understand. And you might ask a question that might confuse you at this point. If I tell you that there's, if you get into what's the ruling for this and what does this madhab say about it and why do they say that, you don't know enough about your own fardain. If I get into these other things, you might just become confused. And you find one day a person's a Maliki, the next he's Hanafi, the next he changed his name online to like Ash'ari, Hanbali, this, whatever. It's just like, you seem really confused. Just I mean, learn the basics, have a foundation in that, and then move on from there. And a qualified teacher will be able to tell you. If someone goes to a nutritionist, says, oh, you know, I want to do keto or whatever. You know what, maybe that's not good for you and your... Uh, your body and your temperament, all of these things related to medicine. I'm not an expert in that. And if someone says for you, you know, actually you should have more vegetables and raw foods and things of that nature. Another person, maybe they're uh, already in a different state of health. No, you need more proteins. You, need, you know, that person is able to assess what's good for you. But one week, a person's keto, the next they're paleo, the next, and then the next week they're sick because they mixed it all up. So we see that in the worldly sense, it also applies to religious knowledge and the teacher knows that. And it's also important to know that different shiuch have different temperaments. And that's part of discern, having discernment. Imam Malik, rahimahullah, when he would go and uh, get a hadith from Imam Nafir, he would go and he, that's, that is a silsila dhahabiyyah. This is what Imam al-Bukhari called the golden chain of narration from Imam Malik. عن نافع عن عبد الله ابن عمر رضي الله عنهما عن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم. And Imam Malik and Imam Nafi they're buried right next to each other in al-Baqir. Right, so that's the golden chain. When Imam Malik would go to Nafi to receive a hadith from him, to learn a hadith from him, he would discern the situation. He would say, you know, when I would go to Nafi, I would be very careful because he had a hot temper. He said, I would ask him a few questions and he would give me a hadith. And then when I would see that he would start his temper, you know, the, it wasn't the right time or he wasn't in the mood for it, I would just say, Salaamu Alaikum and go on my way. You have to know how to benefit from people. You have to realize that even the people of Allah, even the awliya, there are some of them that are hot tempered. There are some of them that are so gentle and gracious. Sayyidina Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu anhu al-Siddiqi al-Kubra. Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab was a very different personality. Siddiqi al-Kubra radiallahu anhum. They're both the highest degrees of righteousness. They're different kinds of people and that's okay. You discern. And maybe your temperament, you can be the type of person who if someone's rough with you, you benefit from that. Maybe. Maybe not. It hurt my feelings. I can't benefit from someone like that. Maybe the other person who's gentle and loving, you'll benefit from them. You have to be discerning. And when you humble yourself to your teacher and you serve them, you still have to be discerning. If someone's a charlatan or you're giving them more than they're really deserving of, it might start to negatively affect your life. So then you have to be discerning. And you might say, you know what? I don't have the constitution to humble myself that much. It's starting to negatively affect me. But what ends up happening is that people kind of get caught up in the moment and they go too far and then the pendulum swings the other way and they 
all of these people are not good and all of No, just be discerning. Take it one step at a time. And, 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 and understand that. I remember my grandfather, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on him, was يعني, uh, Jalali. He was Jalali. He was someone who had Hayba. He was majestic. He, wa he inspired like a sense of awe. Sometimes I remember he had a cataract surgery, so so he could he could only make tayammum. He couldn't put water in his on his face, so for a while he could only make tayammum. He would make me lead in salah, and he was like when it came to tajweed and qiraat al Quran, ya Allah. So we'd be like you know we'd be praying. Salam alaikum rahmatullah. Salam alaikum rahmatullah. And he would be praying here, and I could feel like his eyes like so I'd like look over, and he would just. Oh, May Allah have mercy on him. And he'll say, that's how you read Quran? That's how you read Quran? And then he would tell me that same verse, repeat it. And I would recite it, repeat it again. I would recite it. And then I would just, oh, then I would, then I would figure out where the mistake is. But there, that's talaqi. I received something from him that way. Rahmatullah alayh. And I benefited from that immensely. And I know that it was outwardly jalali, inwardly full of love and mercy. And I benefited from it. Rahmatullahi alayhi. So people have different personalities, temperaments, times of day. Sometimes I would ask my grandfather a question. He wouldn't answer for days. I almost would think he didn't hear me. I remember, subhanAllah, Jazalallahu kul khair, Hafid Ibad is reciting Surah Yusuf over the course of this weekend. I remember asking him one time, I said, Jiddi, what's your favorite surah in the Quran? Nothing. Like, did he hear me? Is he ignoring? I don't know. But you can't. You can't have bad adab. You just can't. Like, even if you wanted to, with some people, you can't. So I just stayed quiet. Then I remember the next day, I was helping him walk across the house, and he just stopped. Surah Yusuf. What about Surah Yusuf? You know? Oh, oh. So you have to be on your toes. You know? Ah, that's the answer to the question I asked yesterday. Wahakadha. Right, so that's part of the adab of seeking knowledge. The fourth and fifth adab that Imam al-Ghazali mentions, rahimahullah, is related to the prioritization and progressing gradually in seeking knowledge. That's part of the adab. That a person doesn't get into complex topics and subjects of knowledge without having a solid foundation of the basics. Oh, I want to learn al-fiqh al-muqarin. I want to learn comparative fiqh. Do you even know your own madhab? Do you even know the rulings related to your own madhab in a way that's sound and solid? Which is why people do this kind of like, you know, madhab of the week. You know, I'm just going to, oh, oh man, Imam Malik has a, made a good point there. They're all sound. They're all valid. Is it about what speaks to you or is it about worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a way that's correct? What is it about? So understand the basics first. And then when you have mastery over that and you've used it to its proper end, progress uh, uh, further. Because what ends up happening is people get confused. You know, and they don't really, uh, they don't really uh, uh, make progress because they're reading a little bit from here, a little bit from there, a little bit from this complex thing, uh, you know, and they mix it all together 
And it's like, a, a, you know, a child who doesn't actually have a curriculum, you know, you have to learn how to crawl before you can walk, before you can run. That's the, the nature of the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us. Then the fifth of the adab is prioritizing knowledge. All right, so that a person focuses on the most important things first, the fard ayn, focusing on the prioritization of the furud kifaya, putting those into practice, uh, having ihsan in those things, and then uh, going from there. Now, the sixth of the adab that Imam al Ghazali mentions is in al umra ida kana la yatasir li jamia al ulumi ghaliban, falhazmu an yakhuda min kulli shayan ahsana that although one's life, no one can get all of knowledge in one lifetime, then if a person is not able to uh, acquire great amounts of knowledge in their lifetime, then they should be focused on getting the best of each knowledge, the best of each science, okay? And he takes even a breathful, he breathes it in. وَيَصْرَفْ جِمَامَ قُوَّتِهِ فِي الْمَيْسُورِ مِنْ عِلْمِهِ إِلَى اسْتِكْمَالِ الْعِلْمِ الَّذِي هُوَ أَشْرَفَ الْعُلُومِ وَهُوَ عِلْمُ الْآخِرَةِ And then he takes from that knowledge in a way, this is important, he takes from that knowledge in a way that he's able to benefit from it in the knowledge that takes you to the hereafter. So a person says, okay, these are the ahadith of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Well, there's a very... Uh, complex and intricate science related to the narrators and ilm al-rijal and al-jarh wa ta'deel and the you know sahih and hasan and da'if and the different classifications okay what do i need to know well the the, the ulama have compiled the most authentic ahadith and you need to put them into practice okay so i don't need to do all of that work on my own if i had time it would be beautiful to be a specialist in that and people can do that. That's not, Imam al-Ghazali is not telling people not to do that. But I don't have that much time. I'm not young and have uh, all the time in the world to dedicate myself to this. So what do I need to do? These read Riyad al-Salihin and put it into practice. That's what I can do. Bismillah. Uh, so I take the best. Imam al-Nawawi has taken the quintessence of all those. He's done all of the, the homework. Imam al-Bukhari and Imam Muslim, they've done all of that work for us, for the ummah of the Prophet now you have the words of the Messenger of Allah, act upon them. You don't need to worry about sahih and da'if and is this really the words of the Messenger of Allah or not. Someone did that for you. Your job is to put it into practice. And then he says, You need to focus on the knowledge that benefits you in order to act, the knowledge of praxis, Right? The knowledge of practice, put it into practice, and then you will have unveilings and openings. And then Imam al-Ghazali says something beautiful. He says, this is what differentiated Sayyidina Abu Bakr al-Siddiq from the rest of the Sahaba, is that he had Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala open, he had openings in his iman and in his connection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his ilm billah and his ma'rifah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which uh, made him distinct, radiyallahu anhu wa ardah. So then Imam al-Ghazali says, وَعَلَى الْعُمُومِ وَعَلَى الْجُمْلَةِ فَأَشْرَفُ الْعُلُومِ وَغَايَتُهَا مَعَرِفَةُ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلِ He says, to summarize this particular point, the most noble of sciences and their goal, the goal of all the ulum al-nafi'ah is مَعَرِفَةُ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلِ 
is having knowledge of Allah, is having gnosis of Allah, glorious and majestic. And it is an ocean that is endless. And the furthest degree for humanity in that ocean of, of arrival is the prophets, then the awliya, then those most like them. So this, take from the knowledge that benefits you in that pursuit. From Quran and Tafsir, from Hadith, from the Arabic language, from Fiqh, from all of these beautiful sciences. Okay, I, I'm going to take what benefits me the most. If someone then has the ability to specialize and serve the Ummah and help them access this Ilm Tariq Al-Akhirah, beautiful. But in case one is not able to, this is what they need to focus on. Imam Al-Ghazali says, the next of the etiquettes that Imam Al-Ghazali mentions is Is once again Imam Al-Ghazali saying is not to uh, uh, become absorbed in all of the different sciences first. You know, there's uh, hadith, and there's mustalah al-hadith, and then there's ilm al-jarh wa ta'adil, and then there's riwayah and the uraya, and then there's kalam, and then there's all of these books. A person gets overwhelmed with all of that, but he says that you actually follow a curriculum. And once again, there are many uh, excellent institutions in the Muslim world, and even here now uh, in the West, that have curricula, that have uh, you know, a path for people to study so that they can build upon it in the best of ways. That it's beneficial, it's uh, done in a way that's sustainable, it's done in a way that there are many people who are very well read. They might even be more well read than some scholars. But their ability to understand their knowledge is not the same because they haven't followed a path of study. Right? They haven't followed a curriculum. They haven't prioritized, learned how to prioritize knowledge and so forth. The next is, He says, to know the reason uh, for the honor of that science. The honor of that science. And what's in, meant by that are two things. The uh, the the honor of its fruit and the strength of uh, its proof and its source. So Imam Al Ghazali says, to, un, to give an example of that, So oftentimes Imam Al Ghazali will refer to medicine as a noble science. It is of the furud kifaya. It's a communal obligation, medicine. But he will compare it to this ilm tariq al akhirah because people, even in today's world, they uh, have a lot of respect for doctors. So he says, So the, the science of the, the deen and the science of medicine. The result, the fruit of medicine, uh, and the, uh, the fruit of deen is everlasting life. The result, what it helps you with, is life that is never ending. As for the result of medicine is for this life that is fleeting. So which one is more uh, honorable? 
Which of the two is more honorable? So once again, Imam al-Ghazali is continuing to uh, give further proof and evidence and further make the argument for ilm tariq al-akhirah. You know, and he drives it home, and he drives it home in a multitude of ways. And sometimes they're subtle, but it's from a slightly different angle. So he says, if you are going to judge a science by its result, the greatest result is knowing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his angels and his books and his messengers and the knowledge of the path that allows you to come to these uh, th these knowledges and these sciences. So do not prefer anything over it. Once again, people hear these things, even just looking at yesterday's Q&A, people treat it like it's a zero-sum thing. It's either all this or nothing. No. Your place in life is where Allah has placed you. You know, and if you have responsibilities and you have, if you're young and you have the opportunity, that's beautiful. And that's why, you know, people, once they get a little bit older, they oh, if I just had, if I was where you are at in life, all oh, the things I would do. That's how people say, you can't open, open up that door really. But if you're young, there's so many opportunities. Your responsibilities and, and what's expected of you at this point is open-ended. You can choose so many things when you have family and children and people relying on you and community and responsibilities, you can't just up and, and go as easily. So uh, 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 a person takes advantage of that. But for those of us who do have responsibilities, we realize I need to focus on al-ilm billah. I need to focus on the Quran. I need to focus on ibadah. I need to focus on purifying my heart. And so forth. La ilaha illallah. And uh, even if a person has a schedule for themselves, that's good. It doesn't mean that you can't read other things if you have other interests. But la tensa nasibaka min hadhi ulum. Don't forget to get this portion of the this knowledge that is the knowledge that uh, even when you die, the life of this knowledge doesn't die. And people who do not have this knowledge, even if they're alive, as Sayyidina Ali said, uh, uh, they're, they're not truly living. The next, uh, the next of the etiquettes is قصد المتعلم في الحالة تحلية باطنه وتجميله بالفضيلة is that the person is seeking in, the, in their knowledge to beautify their inward and to attain virtue. And in the hereafter, nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And ascending in the degrees of nearness and being with the supreme assembly of the angels and those brought near to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And not to seek leadership, nor wealth, nor status, nor competition. If a person does that, they'll receive nothing. And then Imam al-Ghazali, he says, and I'm not saying uh, uh, that... Uh, you know, engaging in these other sciences uh, uh, or praising ilm tariq al-akhirah is somehow a crit criticism of the other sciences in and of themselves. So that's not what I'm saying. 
فالمتكلفون بالعلوم كالمتكلفين بالثغور والمرابطين بها those who are specialized in certain knowledges and sciences are like people who are protecting certain boundaries of the Muslims that were on the border with uh, uh, you know an enemy and protecting that border yes that's a good thing okay نعم he says but uh, uh, you know, a person cannot uh, disassociate that responsibility with uh, raising, making Allah's word supreme and guiding people to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And those are the real ulama. <coughs> and then lastly, uh, the 10th of the adab is that he knows uh, the relationship of different knowledges to their goals and, and the objectives associated with them. We talked about having discernment with teachers, even having discernment with particular kinds of knowledge. So Imam al-Ghazali says there are uh, some types of knowledge that prepare the way for you. There are some kinds of knowledge that it, look at it like a journey. Imam al-Ghazali gives the analogy as if you're going to Hajj. He said that when you're going to Hajj, you need to have certain things for the journey. I need to have a camel, I need to have a plane ticket, I need to have a hotel, I need those kinds of things if I'm going on Hajj, okay? So he says, those are things that are preparing the means for you. The second is that the actual journey itself, how do I get there? What direction am I going in? Where is the Kaaba? Going from one part of the journey to the next. What is my itinerary? What is my Google Maps? Really? How, how do I now get there? I've done my preparation. Like, let's say you're going on a journey, you're driving a long distance. I've got my snacks, I've got my coffee, I've got my clothes, I've got everything I need for the journey. Okay, now I'm in the car. How do I get there? There are some uloom that prepare you. There are other uloom that show you the way. And then he says the third is, then when you arrive there, that you are now focused on the hajj itself. Okay, so this is like Sharia and Tariqa and Haqiqa. The Sharia is preparing you for those things that you need for your journey before you even go on your journey. Okay, so he says, Taking care of your body, having good health. Imam al Ghazali mentions that, it's beautiful. Actually, taking care of your health is part of the, these uloom. So what do I eat, exercise, that kind of thing? Why? Because you worship Allah through the medium of, through movement, through your body. And if one can't, there's other, there's other ways of worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? And fiqh, what are the rulings related to the body? He says the second is going on the journey itself. And he says that's the purification of your heart removing the blameworthy qualities, adorning yourself with praiseworthy qualities. That's tariqah. That's the spiritual path. Okay, that's the spiritual path. Tathir al-Batin, knowing how to overcome the obstacles along the way, knowing the tricks of the shaitan, uh, attaining knowledge that allows you to know the different way stations along the way, and so forth. Okay. And then the last, he says, this is like arriving at Hajj, وَهُوَ الْعِلْمُ بِاللَّهِ تَعَالَى وَصِفَاتِهِ وَمَلَائِكَتِهِ وَأَفْعَالِهِ وَجَمِيعِ مَا ذَكَرْنَاهُ فِي تَرَاجِمْ عِلْمَ الْمُكَاشَفَةِ 
He says the third is as if you're on Hajj itself is knowledge of Allah the Exalted and His attributes and His angels and His actions and all of what we mentioned before about ilm al-mukashafa, the knowledge or the science of unveiling. The science of unveiling, that is haqiqah. And that's what you can't really put into words. You can't write about that. You can't write about the, you know, the, the, the realizations, but it's important that people understand where these ulum fall. Understand where these ulum fall. And we'll end here. This is where success and attaining victoriously and triumphantly attaining felicity takes place. And this is uh, uh, this uh, salvation, this victory is attained by every person who takes the path if their intention in attaining that real goal is sound. And triumphantly attaining felicity is only done by the knowers of Allah the Exalted. They are the ones who are brought near and who experience the bliss of being close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and being granted comfort and uh, the bliss of paradise. And everyone else, Imam al-Ghazali doesn't say everyone else is a failure, everyone else is still on the path to Hajj. So you have to look at it that way. And those who are, those who are at this level, the Quran and the Hadith of the Prophet that's usually their focus. We need those other sciences. We, but those other sciences, they're taken from the Quran and the Sunnah. They help us prepare. They take us along the path. And then there's deeper and deeper and deeper realities in nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to his beloved Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Al-adab. Al-adab. That having good manners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, having reverence for all of those things, whether it's a book, whether it's a teacher, whether it's a pen, whether it's your prayer, whether it's a gathering of remembrance, having adab will open up doors for you. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he beautifies us with adab and that he allows us to uh, follow the path with sincerity and that he grants each and every one of us and our loved ones arrival. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that the greatest moment uh, in this life is the moment that we leave to meet him and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants us the greatest amount of yearning at that moment and grants us kamal husn al-khatima ala hadhihi niyya wa ala ma nawa ma shaykhana fi khayrin wa lutfan wa afiyya wa ila hadrat al-nabi Sayyidina Muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam al-fatiha